following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Welcome back to the All Sing Wrestling Podcast. My tag team partner could not be here at this moment, so I'm having a solo night. It's been a horrible weekend for wrestling fans. Friday on SmackDown, Big E from the New Day broke his neck in what looks like a horrible accident botch move. The cameras cut away from that, but we live in a society of people that would film such a tragedy and then upload it for the world to see. You know, I'm glad we didn't have any social media back in the 90s. Yeah, the good news is that Big E has been updating us with his health condition, and he's going to be okay. Some word is circulating around that his career is over. Some are saying he'll be back in a year, but until we hear from doctors or Big E himself, then we can just put this as rumors. Unfortunately, we have some bad news as well. As you may have known from this past weekend and the intro of the show, NWO member Scott Hall, also known as Razor Ramon, has passed away due to complications with his hip surgery. He had a bad fall earlier this month, went to the hospital to get surgery, suffered about three heart attacks, and then we get the news over the weekend that he was in the hospital and on life support. <sighs> Sunday night, we get an Instagram post from Kevin Nash, one of his best friends, um, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Warning everybody that as soon as Hall's family is there with him, they will take him off life support. And there seems, seems to be a divide that Kevin Nash shouldn't have said that at all because they got people on panic mode and just assumed the worst. So as soon as that was said, everybody was hitting with the rest in peace, Scott Hall. They didn't even like, give it a chance or anything. They just assumed the worst. Well, that's what everything on Twitter, every social media outlet, like Instagram, Facebook, all them things, it just kept popping up 
like rest in peace, Scott Hall. It's like, dude is still breathing just because you heard life support does not mean that you should assume the worst. Monday morning, everyone was checking Twitter. I'm checking Xbox tweets, Sean Waltman, because he's just updating everyone in his condition. Plus, he's one of the Click members, um, one of the best friends. At one point, he's telling people to shut the fuck up because they're being trolls. Then he says it's weird that people are saying rest in peace when his best friend's heart is still beating. And honestly, that broke my heart too, you know? Like, you guys do not say things like that until it is confirmed. Even on other media, social media sites, um, you're not a journalist. So stop saying anything like that. Stop posting it on Facebook. Stop posting it on Twitter saying, I'm going to miss him and then saying rest in peace. No. You let the process happen and then once it's confirmed, you update it. Do not. Anyway, finally he updates us that his family took him off life support. And he was make, able to make it for four hours. Um, still breathing and stuff. So we had a little hope there that he was still going to make it. Well, some of us did. Others already had given up on him. I just kept saying, "Go, come on, Chico, let's go. You can do this. Uh, before Monday Night Rock came on the air and everyone saw the news that he had passed away. Um, yeah, I saw that. Then uh, Monday Night Raw, um, they did a little tribute for him. Kevin Owens came out, did the whole, I, which I think was lost on everybody's fucking. Um, mind he did the hey yo and started doing his promo everything else later on he's talking to Seth Rollins telling him um, tough people don't last or I'm sorry tough pe tough times don't last but tough guys do so you know get with the program and everything so he did the whole um, bad guys on all that stuff Bad guy, bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Um, and it was fine. It was fine. He did that. That was awesome. Another thing that was awesome was Damien Priest, who already has a, like, his whole gimmick, his whole thing, not his gimmick, but his whole swagger, the way he moves himself, is a an homage to Scott Hall, to the Razor Ramon gimmick. Um, he walked out. One hand, he does the too sweet. On the other hand, he raises his finger up in the air and kisses it. And, you know, he's aiming at the sky. And then he does the move, the swagger move that Razor Ramon does upon going to the, the um, stage. And, he, you know, he just keeps walking over there. And he's facing Finn Balor, um, who also is a member of the Bullet Club, who was an homage of the Click, who was an homage of the NWO. So basically, that was a really coincidental that it happened, because they already announced that they were going to wrestle. And, you know, Finn Balor came out, and he did his thing also. And he did the uh, whole Too Sweet. So, 
they're in there. They do their match. Um, a lot of people are saying that Damien Priest doing the Razor's Edge, one of his moves, though, like that he does on occasions, that should be his finisher for now on. And I agree. She totally used that move for now on. This is an homage. Like, Sasha Bunk. Sasha. Wow. Sasha Banks does the Three Amigos for Eddie Guerrero. That's an homage to Eddie Guerrero. Um, Kurt Angle does the German suplexes. Uh, not an homage, but, you know, he does the, the German suplexes as just his own. Like, I've never seen Kurt Angle do it before Chris Benoit ever did them. So, there's that. Since my partner's not here and the sad news we just endured, I figured I would make this into a Scott Hall dedication episode. You're going to hear a lot of interviews with him, his time in WWE, his first vignette promo as Razor Ramon, and how he introduced that character to Vince McMahon. But first, I want to do something that usually wrestling companies do when they hear of the death of a beloved wrestler, and that's the 10-bell salute. So sit with me for a few and have a moment of silence as we honor Scott Hall, the man who helped revolutionize the wrestling industry in the late 90s. Scott Hall and real-life friend Kevin Nash left WWE in 1996 for WWE for more money. During that time in September, when WWE had the NWO angle running rampant, WWE told everyone that Razor Ramon and Diesel were coming back to the company. This caused a lot of chaos in WWE, and according to Kevin Nash, they were offered more guaranteed money to stay in WWE, to which Hall and Nash played them with the fake Razor Ramon and fake Diesel showed up on Raw. They are the reason for the bidding wars between WWE and WWE. It wasn't because of ratings. It wasn't because of who had the better show. It was mostly because who had the better wrestlers. I know I chose to watch WWE because of the Cruiserweight division. Um, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, all the Luchadors, Rey Mysterio Jr., um, Juventud Guerrera, all of them. It's like I sat there and watched it. WWE had their little thing, the lightweight division, but like who was in it actually? <laughs> Taka Mishinoku. Who else? Like, you can't think of anybody else. I can't even think of anybody else, actually. Taka Mishinoku. I forgot who else was in there. Like, I can't name you a better cruiserweight that was there besides Taka. And yet, in WWE, I can name you, like, exactly all the Mexican wrestlers, all the WCW wrestlers, <clears throat> all the Japanese wrestlers. And, like, what? the hell man <laughs> um i was just i he's like i chose to watch that yet i was a kind of annoyed at the fact that hollywood hogan was still champion after a whole year and like barely defending the belt but you know here's the cruiserweight and here's the tv title people and here's this like so there was at least that alternative for me to watch instead of just that guy
But I still watch WWE, even though a few of my favorite wrestlers were leaving or took a few months off. You know, Shawn Michaels, champion, Bret Hart took those months off until Steve Austin, like, got him back in the ring. Um, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, today talent earned more guaranteed money than any other time in wrestling history, and that's true. Like, they know what's up. And Scott Hall revolutionized that. He came in and said, I don't want to work for this amount of money. I want to work for this amount of money. And he did that. And Vince tried to get him to sign back, but, you know, it was too late. <sighs> so I've just about asked everyone I know on social media what their favorite Scott Hall match and moment was. And obviously all I ever get is Razor and HBK ladder match at WrestleMania because oh, why not? The, have you seen that match? That match laid the foundation. It laid the blueprint of what every insane, intense, hardcore match it was. I've said it on this podcast before. Um, Razor and Sean Watts so that all these other people in the ladder matches could run. The the TLC matches. The Money in the Bank matches. These, they laid the foundation. Even though the originator of the ladder match was HBK versus Bret Hart, which you can watch on the net, WWE Network or Peacock. Even though that was the original match, it still became Razor versus HBK at WrestleMania. Um, people sleep, people sleep on the SummerSlam match between those two also, and I think only because Razor lost that nobody thinks, nobody brings that up. They just, you know, assume that because Shawn Michaels did this and then that, it's one of the a few matches that you shouldn't... It's like, I, I actually watched it. It was fine. The But the first one was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And of course, he likes to um, do the whole... Hey, let's do that again. Let's do a, a sequel to this. You know, because once-in-a-lifetime is never enough. Let's do it again. Let's do the sequel. I was first introduced to Razor Ramon in 1992. I had just come back from living in Central Latin America, and I wanted to get back to watching wrestling again. Only problem was that I didn't know who these people were on my TV screen besides Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, Randy Savage. I needed someone new to like. Enter the first promo vignette of one Razor Ramon. Say hello to Razor Ramon. Check my ride, man. He's a Cadillac, man. Custom made for Razor. You know, Chico, 90 miles away, they're living like pigs. They're living in squalor, man. They're eating garbage. People telling them what to do. Nobody telling Razor Ramon what to do, man. Nobody. I coming to the WWF. Nobody going to stop me. Nobody going to tell Razor Ramon what to do. El Jefe 
Razor Ramon. Not bad. Weeks later, I would find out he's Cuban from Miami. And I've never seen Scarface before. So this was new to me. And I loved the gimmick. Didn't know it was a gimmick because 11 or 12 years old, I thought wrestling was real. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> so looking up and cheering for this wrestler who was doing things his way was better than the other Spanish wrestler that later became a matador. Yeah, talking to you, Tito Santana. Stereotype. Years later, when I finally was old enough to watch Scarface, I realized Chico had that fake accent. And to find out that he pitched his idea to Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson as a joke. So I thought about it. I remember the, um, you know, the business was really gimmick-driven and merch-driven at that time. You had to have a hook. And I remember talking to Hawk, you know, Road Warrior Hawk, talking to him like, man, I need to, you know, think of a name, think of a name. Because I was kind of going matinee, I look deal. So I was thinking maybe Shrug Shadow or something like that. And I, you know, and I, and I liked Razor. When I pitched Razor to Vince, he went, ah, but there's already Razor running. You know, that boxer, I said, I kick his monkey fucking ass. And Vince just popped. You got to remember, Vince hadn't seen Scarface. That's the next question, he, Well, because yeah. he pitched, you know, Vince put, pitched to me, well, I understand your father's in the Army. And I remember going, Vince, you want me to be a G.I. Joe? I'll be the best G.I. Joe I can be. I said, did you ever see Scarface? He went, ah, oh, no. And I went, say, I love the bad guy. And Kurt was right there with me. So we're doing it back and forth, just like we did riding up down the road in the AWA. And Vince had never seen it, and Vince left TV and went to South Beach to personally direct the vignettes. And we did like, you know, when we're doing a guerrilla style, we don't have permits, we don't have anything, we're just pulling up and shoot. And then like it will do in South Florida, it just started raining out of nowhere. And I've got a vest on, chains, no shirt, soap pants, you know, slippers. And we, they, we go to Miami International, we're walking through the, I'm walking through the airport with Vince now, everybody knows Vince, nobody knows me, but they go, well, he must be somebody, you know, I'm big and young. And, and people go, oh, who's that? Go, oh, this is Razor, look for him, he's coming soon, you know. The cool thing about being in Miami International is not that many people, it didn't, you know. Like you, you, anybody, you can walk yeah. around with no shirt on there and nobody really <laughs> exactly. cares. You know? What about the, the chains and everything? Was that, was that all stuff that you cobbled? It was, all me, yeah, it was all my idea. I remember they sent a guy from Stanford, I was living in Orlando then, they sent a guy there to take me out clothes shopping. And I said, bro, I can't really buy off the rack. You know, I have to get stuff tapered and stuff. And so I got the white suit that I did wore on the first vignette. And now I know that we're going to shoot these and they're going to air them, you know, week by week. So knowing that I'm getting a big push, I go shopping in Orlando, which has a huge Latin population. So I find a bunch of stuff that I think fits the gimmick. Mm -hmm. And I go to Vincent. I go, hey, boss, you know, I'll wear that white suit every time if you want. I said, but I've got other stuff. Well, let's see what you got. So I brought it out. Oh, absolutely. So I just kept changing. So it looks like time went by. And a dude doesn't wear the same clothes all the right. time. Excellent. But we shot most of them in one day. Salvatore. I have a lot of favorite matches and moments from him. And I love that he got his push in WWE because Ultimate Warrior fucked up and he got fired. So everything that Warrior was supposed to do between Survivor Series 92 and WrestleMania 93 was given to Razor Ramon. Which gave him the push of facing Bret Hart at the 1993 Royal Rumble. In my mind, Razor Ramon's one of those guys that was a top guy but never got the world title or the heavyweight title in WCW. But Razor didn't need that. He was already over with the fans and everyone in the back. So they all knew he's a top guy. He just didn't want the belt. Let me read some comments all over the internet about Scott Hall. But before I do, 
Michael called into the show to tell us his favorite Scott Hall matches and moments. So here he is. Yeah, hey, so uh, definitely sad news to hear about Ray. Especially since it seemed like he had everything going right for him now. Uh, it's definitely a big loss to all wrestling fans of every company. I would have to say my favorite match, although I was just a fan in general, especially being around at that time, would actually be the one with him versus Bret Hart, although he didn't win uh, at the 1993 Royal Rumble. I thought it was a great, great match, and obviously anybody who wrestles with Bret is going to look good, but I think he looked extra good. I think that the way Bret sold and the way that the match went with the psychology made Razor Ramon look like a big guy among big guys. So uh, it also showed that he could go with the guys too. It wasn't just, I'm a big guy, do a couple hits here and there. You hit me, I don't sell, I win one, two, three. So I think he's his style, not too many big guys could do what he did. Uh, and he showed that obviously in the ladder match being a, huge guy in a match that seems to cater to smaller guys. But my number one Razor Ramon match is versus Bret Hart, 1993 Royal Rumble. Honestly, I think it's hard to pick one moment. Every moment he, that he was in the ring with Kevin Nash, and I'm talking about NWO, one moment, I, I, I don't think I can pick one specific moment. I'll pick a funny moment when he beat the wrestler with wrestling. When he beat Bob Backlund at WrestleMania nine, I think was a, a, a funny, it was because it, it kind of brought out some humor in the Razor Ramon character, especially at a time where he was supposed to be all business. The fact that he rolled him up into a small package. So I would say that's uh, one of my number one moments. Also when he was feuding with one, two, three kid, take the money and run. I thought that was, that's actually what got me into Razor Ramon. After turning face, Razor Ramon would go after the Intercontinental Championship. One of the best feuds was Razor and Shawn Michaels because HBK was in a bad situation, so they stripped the title from him. But he kept saying he was still the IC champion and still had that belt, the old belt. But, you know, Razor Ramon had won another IC title, which in turn, like, made him the fake champ. I don't know. It was a little crazy storyline. So the feud ended up being one of the best moments of WrestleMania 10. If you haven't heard it already, it's episode 13 of the podcast where we do a deep dive on that match. Both Razor and Sean got in trouble for that match. We're going 10 minutes over, but screw it. If they didn't go over, it wouldn't have had as much of an impact. Uh, also, don't sleep on the second ladder match, even though Razor lost that one. It's still a good old headbanger. Another great feud he had was with Jeff Jarrett. They blow. They both played hot potato with that Intercontinental Championship. Again, he was stuck in the mid-card scene, and it was fine because that belt was the workhorseman belt. It might have been the secondary championship, but the fans knew, we all knew, that that belt mattered. He became the first ever four-time Intercontinental Championship champion. A feat that hasn't been done because we all know as soon as someone gets that second or third title run, they move up the ladder. At this time, we were finding out inside scoop and getting into the backstage politics, so we knew about Shawn Michaels and the Click, which is a group of friends backstage that rode together and hung out, mainly consisting of Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Shawn Waltman, who was also known as X-Pac, who had a feud with Razor. 
And then later they would get Triple H to hang out with them as the wheel man, since he doesn't drink or do stuff that these other guys do. Somebody asked me about, well, you know, you changed the whole business when you and Kev jumped in WL. Oh, my guy, he changed everything, you know, guy. I see yeah, a lot of good things happen. Guys got guaranteed money. This happened. Days off was a huge. I don't care about the money. Can I have a few days off? Days off are nice. You know, what good's the money if you can't spend it? But I said, having struggled with personal demons for a long, long time. I think looking back, if I'd have continued to work here the whole time, I think somebody would have came to me talking about the family vibe feel. Because right. somebody would have said, hey, Scott, man, come here, slow down. Or else they would have been, you know, they would have come to me. I, I just think that would have oh, happened. Oh, like around here? You have I, always wonder, no, I always yeah. wonder if we never left. Yeah, I always think about that. Yeah, the butterfly effect. Actually, you know that famous picture of us in the back of the bus yeah. on the European tour? And it's our last tour. We're done. We didn't get hurt, we're leaving. And so now I look back, it's like, wow, that's the top talent that went on to be in both companies. That was and were successful. That was basically the top, that was the top 10 guys. We split and both companies thrived. Yeah. So it was like, holy cow. When we were all together, I don't think everybody got a chance to shine. There's only so much TV time, there's only so many belts. So maybe splitting up ended up being better for everybody. Cause click still ruled wrestling. It was click south, click north. Yeah, right. It was the plan all along. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember Vince, what I do remember about that is I gave my notice 90 days in advance in writing as required contractually, which meant I didn't want the contract to roll over. It was a one-year deal that kept rolling over. Mm -hmm. It was 10 matches at $150. Right. $1,500 a year. Guaranteed. Don't get me wrong, the money was way better than that. But then I felt like I had grown as a performer and I felt like I was more of a part of the company, but my pay had started to plateau. So I went to Vince and said, hey boss, you know, what do I need to do to improve? You know, is it my ring work? Is it my mic work? He went, oh, absolutely not. We're the best we got. I said, I'm just curious because my pay has plateaued and I want to make big money like the guys who preceded me. And then he knew like something was up, but that's when the whole thing got discussed about, you know, this and that. I asked, then they summoned me to Connecticut for a meeting then I went in prepared and I said, and this is when it's a private company, it's not publicly traded. Right. Right. And, I, and so in Vince's mind, if you made more, he literally made less. Like it was like, mm. and I went, hey boss, like I said, I'm no mathematician, but I do look at my merchandise statements. I said, if we move the decimal point a little bit, I said, would the McMahon family really notice? Because I said, the Hall family would notice. He went, nope, nope, not going to do it. I give you the same thing that I give Taker and Kev and John and nope, not going to do it. So I said, okay, I said, because um, I was thinking if a fan buys a Razor shirt, that's their money. That's their money, like not your money, that's their money. And then I said, you know, so on the same theme, I said, well, let me, Jim, I still want to work for you, but let me have 12, 15 weeks a year I go to Japan and get their money. And he goes, well, I'm not going to say no because I do let Backlund go, but <laughs> as soon as I got you over there, I'd need you here. <laughs> and he's laughing and I'm not laughing. Because I thought, well, I came to you with some ways out. I mean, the way that all those guys got paid after we left was merch. Austin, Rock, Triple H, Sean, all those guys, Taker, all making that huge money was off merch because he started giving them 50% of the merch. Mm. And I was getting like .0013, like. But th- that's what moved me. So um, I, ha- I go out with Triple H and rock it. And because I've been, we worked Hershey Philly double shot the night before, mm. Saturday and the Sunday in the garden. And Vince and Pat come to the shows and they sit in the crowd and they watch. 
But he never sold. I mean, he never came to me and said, hey, let's work this out. You know, what, what do we have to do? He never sold it. And we're, Kev is main event. I'm saying my main, we're selling it. We're doing record business. That night in the garden was the largest revenue producing event, non-pay-per-view that WWE had had at that point. Sold out Madison Square Garden house show. Mm -hmm. And Kev's in a cage with Sean. I'm underneath with Triple H, who's subbing for Goldust, because Goldust got hurt in Europe. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, Wow, like, I can't believe it. Like, I felt bittersweet. Like, wow, this is really it. I'm really leaving. I'm going down here tomorrow. Like, what the hell? And finally, Vince summons me to his office. Like, I'm sitting there, me and Triple H just rock it with the mask that Pat Patterson gives us. Because before that, we're just going out and wrestling. Then he's beating me. And, Vince, and Pat comes to me and goes, you know, you, you know you're over in the garden. They love you here. And I'm like, well, no. And he's going, no, stop it. You know, you're right. They do. Thanks. And he went, he laid it out where I would go out and I'm taking my gimmicks off, you know, giving them to the mm -hmm. ringside guy, and Triple H jumps me and beats me up, throws me on the floor, chokes me with, like, the cable, and I'm laying in the aisle way. And so Mark's are there going, man, Razor ain't doing no job in the garden, man. He's out of here. He ain't doing no job in the garden. He ain't doing it. And then they start going, Razor, Razor. And I blew into that ring. And now, I need to get a hold of that guy. Because I told him that day in, in Brooklyn, I want to see the match. It's one of my best matches I ever had. And he starts feeding me like a job guy, duck, sack of shit, career ender. That's it. And now Mark's going, he's not leaving. Because on the way to the ring, half the crowd is going, please don't go. Look at this, bro. Yeah. Goosebumps. I'm there right now. Please don't go. Please don't go. So I hit the ring, bang, and he feeds job guy, that's it. I pick him up for my finish, and this is Patterson's finish. Baby Earl walks behind me to Hunter's feet, hit Earl, he's down. Everybody in the building knows that the ref is down with me. Right. And the WWE rings are 20 by 20. It's that extra foot. I can cheat over, drop him. I cover him. I don't count myself. You know, I'm waiting. I go, what? I turn, grab Baby Earl by the waist, pick him up. Boom, pedigree, one, two, three. And I lay there forever. Then when I get up, they start going, now there's a bigger voice going, you sold out, you sold out. And Vince always stood right outside the curtain in the garden. And it was a short aisle away for house shows, uh, yeah. not, not like TV, it's right. a real short aisle. And I remember Pat Mom, I said, you tell him, give me the money and I'll stay right here. And he just looked down. So then I remember getting on the mic and my whole deal had been say hello to that guy. This time I went, say, and I swear, Three quarters of that crowd said it with me. I went, goodbye. And then they all went, to the bad guy. Then I left. I hadn't been back to the garden since the Hulk Hogan tribute thing. Years later, first time back in the garden. Wow. So anyway, after that, I'm with Hunter going, thanks, brother. That was great. You know, it was sweet. And uh, sometimes you can have your best match doing a job. Sure. And then they come to me, hey, Vince wants to see you. So I'm like, cool. Because right now things are great. I'm not hurt. I'm done. And I'm going to WCW the next day. I have no idea what's waiting, but I'm going. And I know Kev's coming. And uh, he takes me to his office and he goes, he goes, damn it, you still work for me. He goes, how much some sons of bitches offer you? And I'm, and I'm thinking, Vince, like, I came to you months ago. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going, I said, boss, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this. I said, I've told Eric Bischoff I'm coming down there to work for him tomorrow. I said, I didn't ask you to match it. You know, he goes, well, well, how much? And I told him, he went, oh, <laughs> that's pretty good money when business is doing good. I said, I, I said, you brought it up, Vince. 
You know, because now I'm thinking, what? Like, what, bro? Months have gone, 90 days have gone by. You never said, let's work this out. Right. I didn't want to leave. I really didn't want to leave. Did he, was he playing a game of chicken? Did he think that you were going to balk or that you hadn't signed a deal? Well, see, the thing is, I didn't give my notice till I had a commitment from WCW, right. which meant if I choose to go there, I have all this guaranteed, but I don't have to go. Because in Georgia, you can have a letter of intent, which okay. is binding. So the contract was, if I choose to work for WCW, I'm guaranteed this, but I don't have to come. Okay. If, if I, at the last minute, I decide to stay with WWE, I can. So he still, theoretically, could have kept you. Yeah, but he didn't, and he, and he said, and I've seen interviews where he went later, he went, you know what? I don't blame him for doing it. You know what? He said, I would, he, said he wasn't prepared to make a guarantee. Because at that point, I'd have taken less, but I just wanted it guaranteed, and he wasn't prepared to do it. Right. Of course, now they all get guaranteed right, money. Right. I wonder how that came about. <laughs>
merchandise until the following year when DX was a thing. Yeah, that was me. Y'all know. If you were in high school and you knew about me, you all knew. I wore those DX shirts. I rocked those DX shirts. I came into school saying suck it to you and you and the teachers and on camera and on television and on a broadcast, which, yeah, I should have gotten in trouble. I should have gotten suspended, but I didn't. I said suck it. Nobody said a thing. They said I was stupid, but whatever. I shot my shot. <laughs> it happened. Another post that I want to read off. Um, well, if you like from Twitter and Instagram and everything. Here's Million Dollar Champion from Instagram. Great name, by the way. Good job, guy. <laughs> uh, Scott Hall appeared on the Jerry Springer show in 1996 to surprise two young fans born with HIV AIDS. He showed up in full Razor Ramon gear, all the gold chains, and the IC championship. He gave them merch and even gave the kid the dang belt from around his waist. Brought them to WrestleMania and hung out with them during the show. He told them, you ain't beat until you quit. So if you don't quit, you never lose. An unforgettable good guy moment in the career of the bad guy. I mean, I thought it was really cool. You never know. And see, Jerry was still trying to be uh, do a, a legit show then. You know, he wasn't just doing what he does now. He was, and it was in Chicago, and he was really trying to do cool things. And, you know, the, the one kid wanted to meet me. So it was like, wow, how do you say no? And I had to wrestle, I think, in L.A. that night. And I went with somebody from the office and, and saw it. And I was so moved that, like, you know, because it's just like doing Make-A-Wish things. The kids don't know you're coming, but their parents know and everybody oh, yeah. knows. So you meet them in the back. They're like, oh, thank you for coming. And then, you know, like I start getting teared up. And, and, uh, and I'm so thankful my kids are healthy. And, and I went out there. Then I was so moved. And, like, then they cut to a break, and I had to go. And I was going to, I said to Jerry, like, I want to give, I'm going to give the kid my belt. And he went, oh, we want to do that on the air. And I said, no, it doesn't have to be on the air, bro. And that's not what I'm after. I just want the kid to have the belt. And he went, no, no, we want to do it. He was like, okay. And this was before replica belts. I gave the kid the shoot belt that I was going to wear that night in L.A. And then I had to call the office and speak to Vince. And, and uh, Vince, please make sure there's an IC belt in L.A. And well, what happened? Did you lose it? And I said, no. I said, I gave it to this kid. He went, what? I said, he was dying of AIDS, man. I said, if it's a problem, I'll pay for it. He went, oh, no, no, absolutely not. You did the right thing. Like, good job. I learned early on that you can always shame the money guy. The guy who has more money, if you go, hey, listen, I'll pay. Then they go, oh, no, no, it's not a question of money. And it wasn't. Vince didn't care about the money. It was like, what happened? Because they didn't have a million belts back then. They didn't have fake ones that looked legit. And it was really moving. And I stay in touch with the girl. Hydea was the girl's name, and she's a big-time HIV activist now. Hydea Broadbent. Fan stories are great. They really are. They, they give you emotion. But the most emotional ones are the wrestler stories behind them. Like, looking back at past wrestlers that have passed away and other people that tell their stories, like Owen Hart, when he had tragically passed, um, everybody was just in tears of that. And you couldn't help but just, you know, relate and be crying with your favorite wrestler also. Even um, someone that's Big Show, when he cries, you just like, no, not that big guy. And you just cry back. Uh, here's a story from Johnny Gargano, who posted it on Twitter. 
he said, being able to watch back the WrestleMania 10 ladder match with Shawn Ma and Razor at the Performance Center will always be one of my favorite memories. Thank you for being a huge part of my childhood and taking the time to share your knowledge with all of us that day. Hashtag rest in peace, Scott Hall. Um, another one with Malachi Black, who is now in AEW. Um, I had the utmost pleasure of sitting in class with Sean and Scott while watching back their infamous ladder match at the request of Johnny Gargano and hearing them explain why and how they did what they did. A valuable memory, a valuable memory that will remain a lifetime. Travel easy, Scott. DDP, um, the, yeah, Diamond Dallas Page, who was instrumental in bringing back Scott Hall from his dark demons, his all that stuff that we hated, that we wanted him to save. Um, he said on Twitter, my brother has gone on to Bahala to raise some hell. The bad guy to the end. Yo, Death, what's your finisher? Can't wait to kick out. He may not have kicked out, but he wasn't going to put that mf -er over clean. Real Kevin Nash, love you and miss you more. Godspeed, rest in peace. Dallas. Uh, Mick Foley. Scott Hall was a towering figure among his contemporaries, a legend inside and outside the ring. My deepest condolences to his friends, family, and everyone who loved him. Sean Weltman, who you all know as X-Pac, who was just updating us all day on Monday, telling us what was going on and what was happening. And man, I really sent him a tweet asking how he's doing, how he's holding up. He never answered back, but hey, you know, it's a thought that counts. Like, I try to get him, it's like, hey, you know, I understand what you're going through, but hope you're doing well as well. Hope you're okay. Hope your mental health is all right as well. Um, he posted a picture of Scott Hall wearing a black shirt with the number six on it at the time when Charlotte Waltman was in WCW. He wore the number six. He His name was six. Basically, as saying that he was the sixth member of the NWO, which then he left and went back to WWE as um, his new name being X-Pac. But he posted a picture of that, and then he said he wore that shirt every week and had the rest of the NWO, Hulk, Dusty, Macho Man, always shout me out on live TV while I was out with a broken neck. Just one example of what a good friend he was. True, truly. Matt Cardona, who is a big wrestling fan as well, um, he was in WWE as Zack Ryder, Long Island. I see stories hilarious he's a hilarious guy he's an independent now he's all over the place he's all over the world he posted a video of him meeting scott hall after wrestlemania his match at wrestlemania where he won the intercontinental championship and there's a video of them too when scott hall won his intercontinental championship he went backstage and met up with this kid and it was zach Ryder, matt cardona as a child holding the intercontinental championship that's one of Matt Cardona's memories of him um, as a child. He had the belt with him. He took pictures with him. Later on, 20 years later or so, maybe less, uh, he would win the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, come backstage, meet up with Scott Hall, and tell him the great news and everything. And then Scott Hall said, let me hold your belt. Let's take a picture. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm not going
I remember the first time watching Scott Hall jump to the railing from the crowd in WWE, and he gets in the ring and says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. The Lex Luger jumping to WWE happened about a month ago, and he still showed up in WWE at SummerSlam to do a run-in. So we all saw that was that with the shots. We're not going to get another chance at it. Razor Ramon showed up with his Chico accent still, and is still thinking this man was Cuban, and he was going to go over there and beat the bad guy again. But what was he doing there? He made mention of the Nacho Man, Mean Scheme, and the Huckster, which were parodies done in the, these, of these guys in segments running to that year's WrestleMania in WWE. So WWE kept firing shots back after the whole Luger thing. But when Razor Ramon jumped the railing and did his gimmick, and then went up to Eric Bischoff on the announce team, which I thought he was just another commentator, not thinking this man runs WWE also. I remember going to school the next day and talking to my friends about it and thought, that was an awesome moment. Did you see that? Did you check it out? And they're like, no, no, what happened? Some of them were like, no, no, what happened? It's like, Razor Ramon showed up on WWE. He was like, what? He jumped, he jumped over? It's like, yeah, he jumped over. And he came out saying, it's like, we're going to, like, we're, we want a war and everything. So we're all thinking it's WWF versus WCW and we're going to get it. Turns out, that's not what exactly was talking, but it got us talking for weeks because then Kevin Nash came out with him the next week, and the line was drawn and stepped over. I, we, I have no idea. Hey. Wait a minute. I can't believe it. I can't believe what I'm saying. You people. What's with him? You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is Billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. Listen, we can And where, oh, where is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop for you. When that Ken doll lookalike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here later tonight, I got a challenge for him for Billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. What about the match? I don't know what to say. Randy Anderson's coming. Randy? Randy, what's going on here? WCW. And the only way to do that is you got to kick people's butts. You got to make enemies. All right, all right, all right. Hey, looky here. You wanted to Kindle, you got such a big mouth. And we, we are sick of it. What do you mean, who's me? You know who. Hey, this is where the big boys play? What a joke. I tell you what, 
You go tell billionaire Ted, you tell him get three of his very, very best. Maybe, uh, maybe the Nacho Man. Oh, no. Hey, maybe, maybe he get the Stinger. Ooh, I so scared. You go get anybody you want, because we. What do you mean we? We are taking over. You want to go to war? You want a war? You got one. Only, only let's do it right. In the ring, where it matters. Not on no microphones. Not in no newspapers or dirt sheets. Let's do it in the ring where it matters. If, uh, if billionaire Ted and his big boys, if they got any, uh, any guts, because we are coming down here. You're stepping over the line. And like it or not, not. we are taking over. You're out of here. You're out of here. Everyone imitates their favorite wrestlers. I know I was doing the Hulk Hogan poses, the Macho Man Randy Savage, hand gestures and voice. Oh, yeah. And Bret Hart's entrances. No way was I getting near that Shawn Michaels pose. Yeah, didn't have the capacity to do that. But I still tried doing those poses, and they were fun. With Razor, I tweeted this after it was official. I talk like you. I walk like you. I even posed like you. Things were making my childhood, Chico. And it was. It was just like me walking into school going like, Hey, Chico, my name is Razor Ramon. And then doing the whole um, surf walk. Is that what he calls it? The surf walk was because he didn't want anybody touching him. Like he he walked in as a heel, he didn't want anybody touching him, so he did like this little surf pose and just like you know, don't touch me pose and everything. Um, the scary fingers, like ooh, and which was like a backstage thing, he didn't want like everybody would be like, I'm gonna beat your ass, and he'd be like, ooh, you're scaring me, ooh, still the scary fingers, it's hilarious. Um, talk, I even posed like him, him doing the whole cha cha thing, and then. Um, doing with his hands and then flexing his hands like that. Even tried doing that. It, it was hilarious when I did it because I didn't even get it down. But whatever. It was fun. He made my childhood bearable. He, I loved everything about him. So, yeah. Another favorite moment from here on out were his NWO moments, New World Order, where he would come out and his accent was gone. <laughs> I didn't realize it until I heard him talk. But his accent was gone, and he had gotten the, in the ring and just said, Hey, yo. Those were favorite times because it was deep in the Attitude Era, and he would get a pop out of just walking in the ring and not doing anything. Just, you know, scary fingers and all. Just say, Hey, yo, which meant we're going to get a survey time as well, and those were great. All these years, Tony.
Let's get it out of the way right now. It's survey time. So, uh, Cedar Rapids, are you here to see WCW? Everybody in Cedar Rapids here to see the survey says one more for the good guy. the NWO was hot. They were huge, they were big, they were popping all over the place. Well, at this time, in ECW, three other guys had made parodies of the NWO, but they were a comedy team, so they became the BWO, the Blue World Order. These guys were hilarious. I met them. Uh, big Stevie Cool, the blue guy, Blue Meanie, and Hollywood Nova, is that what he was called? It's hilarious. They dressed in blue, they were all blue. The blue meaning was already blue, so he just stayed extra blue. Um, it's a really parody. It's a really hilarious team. Like, I freaking met them. They signed my shirt and everything. I have it <laughs> somewhere in the basement. It is so awesome. Uh, but the Blue World Order, and they were a an amazing team. So Scott Hall tells an awesome funny story of when he met one of the members of that parody group, Stevie Richards, and he just said, like, yeah, hey, you're big Stevie Cool, right? He's like, yeah, hey, uh, yeah, my boy's looking for you, Kevin Nash, which, hilarious. Listen. I I thought it was really cool. I, to me, like, just like what these guys, these Young Bucks and stuff or the Bullet Club are doing in Japan now, I look at it like as, as a tribute, and I think it's all coming from a good place. But I will say, when, when Stevie Richards first came into WCW, and he was part of that whole Raven deal and mm -hmm. stuff, the flock, and I went up to Stevie, you know, before TV, and I walked up, and he came over, and Stevie works for Dallas now, so I see him regularly. And uh, I went up to him and said, oh, he goes, hi, Mr. Hi, you do I said, yeah, I said, you, you big Stevie cool, huh? He goes, yeah, yeah, and I said, have, has my partner seen you? And he went, no, I said, he's looking for you. And I walked away. Stevie left TV, brother. He left TV. I mean, he's a contracted guy. He left. Wow. A month or so goes by. Now, I liked his work. And on TVs, I always wrestled. I'd go out, I'd do a survey, and I wrestled because I can. I'm good at it. And Bischoff knew I liked being in the ring. Like, Kev often would stand on the outside, you know, whatever. He mm -hmm. didn't like being in the ring as much. I love it. It was, like, therapeutic for me. The only time I felt in control of my life was in the ring. And... So one time, you know, at that point at TVs, I could pretty much ask for whoever I wanted. If I'm just going to have a match, I said, well, let me have Stevie Richards. doesn't matter what the finish is. You know, I'll give you an entertaining segment, then we'll do whatever you want to happen. You know, they can hit, NWO can hit, I can just beat him, he can beat me, whatever. I don't care about that. I just care about having a fun segment. Mm -hmm. So I asked for him. He heard about it. He left the building again. 
Now, just fast forward. That was 20 years ago. Fast forward to like a couple weeks ago. I mentioned it to him in Atlanta at Dallas's yoga studio and go, hey, bro, remember that? And he, and he stills a little bit like, yeah, you know, like I was doing a yoga workout with him the other day, DDP yoga. I'm in the studio doing a workout with him. And on the, they have a big monitor that we're checking everybody's heart rate. And I'm looking at Stevie going, wow, brother, you're really fit, man. Your heart rate hasn't even moved during this whole hour-long workout. And he goes, yeah, it sure went up that time, though, you asked for me at the match. Like, still, like, real kind of nervous about him going, like, whoa, bro, like, 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 uncle. I mean, everybody is who they are. He's a little bit weird. I'm a little bit weird. You're probably a little bit weird. You know, it's just. In 20 years, he never figured out. No bro, one told him. You want to hear another, st- was- you want to hear another flashback story? I just ran into Bubba Ray Dudley. Mm-hmm. I, me and Kev at that show in Romeoville, mm-hmm. Illinois, I was talking about where Mongo's bar and restaurant was. They were at that show. Said hi to them. Then they popped up. You know, they were in, uh, they're back to work for events now. So then I saw them at, at SummerSlam and stuff like that. I just saw them last week in Houston. But the first time I met them was uh, NWO comes into WWE 2000 or whatever. And they fly me to L.A. just to have a scan done so they can make a doll of me. Mm-hmm. So I'm there, and this is the first time I've ever met them. So I go, hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, and then the guys are there being replied, hey, how you doing? And I said, oh, you got Dudley boys. Man, I love your finish. They're going, oh, thanks, thanks. And I said, yeah, I can't wait to kick out of it. And they went, brother, now five years go by. I'm in TNA. He's in TNA. And he comes up to me, hey, remember that time you said that about kicking out my finish? And, and now just I just have a text. I still have it on my phone from um, Albert is runs the NXT Performance Center. And they invited me to come down. And we're just scheduling time. We actually, I'm going down in the middle of October for about a week to work with the young guys. And he, in his text, goes, I said, hey, look forward to seeing, seeing you, big man. He goes, yeah, me too. Can't wait to kick out the razor's edge. Now, he said it like that. Then he went on to text, yeah, I remember the first time I ever met you. You said that to Bubba Ray. And I said, bro, he just brought that up again in Houston. Like, it's still in his head, yeah, you never kicked out, man. Like, you know, like it, it's, it's, to me, it's so funny because it's like, gotcha. Like, oh, this gotcha bubble. I got a bubble online. It's because you play it so straight, so they buy it. I just. That's great. I don't know. I just, I like stern shit. I like. Before I end the show, I want to um, include one more audio from his um, induction speech at the Hall of Fame when he got. uh, sorry when he got inducted into the hall of fame as razor ramon it's like scott hall of course but you know he got inducted as a character also he got inducted twice since he was a member of dnwo and they got inducted last year i believe yeah it's been a long year here in the pandemic but still all his moments were favorite of mine um him being with the NWO, all of them, all like 10, 11 feet deep, or 11 people deep. Uh, somebody throwing a, I think it was a beer at him, and it landed on his hair, but it didn't move. It didn't phase him. It didn't move anything. It didn't ruin his hair or anything. It just, like, he just shoved it off and just did the whole fixing of his hair. Like, look, I'm still freaking flawless. Like that, that is a tremendous, awesome moment for me that I really, truly treasure and enjoy. His matches against the one, two, three kid. Well, first the kid, Lightning Kid, when Razor was a, a heel, and then 
uh, years later when 123 Kid betrayed Razor and 123 Kid became a heel and was a member of the Million Dollar Corporation. Um, he would face Razor Ramon in a, if, the lo if you lose, you get put in a diaper or as a baby, whatever. It was one of those like moments back in the 90s where everything was ridiculous. That was one of them. And of course, the moment when um, we all thought he was down and out, but DDP and Jake the Snake Roberts came out to help him, and they all three were living under the same roof doing DDP yoga. Um, the progression between day one and the last day of DDP yoga, he lost a tremendous amount of weight. He lost, you know bunch of things he just became better than what he was so here is the <laughs> here is the the audio from the hall of fame and then i'm ending this with one of the most amazing awesome songs in ww when he was a part of the nwo and um nwo wolfpack actually which I know, it was like a part of it. I was like, I love that one. It was basically the second chapter to it, where NWO Black and White was Hollywood Hogan. So it was like everybody from Hollywood Hogan was just, you know. The NWO Wolfpack was the cooler version of the NWO, just with the cooler guys and all that. So here it is. And thank you for listening. You guys have been awesome. You guys have been amazing. Um,. We'll be back to our regular scheduled show in a few days. I and that's that. Thank you for all the memories, Scott Hall, and I'll see you down the road, Chico. If you asked Razor how he was doing, the standard response was better than you, Chico. I learned that when I stepped through that curtain that I could have a relationship as a performer with an audience. And it was a powerful thing to me, whether I was the villain or the beloved hero. And that was something that I've always treasured. So thank you to all the wrestling fans here. and all the fans watching around the world. The preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order.
day in, day out, the wolf pack for life. Tell me who has the guts to come in the rain tonight. Who care about the replicas? We make our own rules. You're doing that word it takes to feel their shoes. See, it's just a crowd pleaser on the ground to leave. You're the punishment for making enemies for these soldiers. So you're back on the wolf pack. Back. 